We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. This God that I've seen in his glory sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, if this God will keep me, if he will provide for me, if he will resource me, don't we need God to do all that? Look at it at verse 21, watch it. Put clothes on my back so that I come again to my what? My father's house. I told you this was about a father-son paradise. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. are continuing to explore Judges chapter 11 and the life of Jephthah, this judge that, uh, quite frankly, nobody wanted until they needed him. And then that's all they wanted. There are so many similarities when it comes to our relationship with Jesus that the illustration of Jephthah's life is really quite remarkable. We invite you to spend time with us. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward online at grace-bible.com. We're back in Judges chapter 11, looking at the life of Jephthah, really looking at your life and my life in Christ. Here's Jesse with today's program. Jephthah, the one that was cast out, the one that's called back, the one they just made a vow to, has immediately owned all the people as he is and has taken on the total burden of all their threat as his. And he faces the king face to face as a mediator between them and him. Do you see it? Everything that he is, I am in him. Everything that I am, he was for me. See, when you have a head like that, things are about to get better. Do you see it? Things are about to get better. Can you, can you see what that brother did? That brother says, Lord, look what you have done for me. I'm going to pour the totality of everything that I am into this relationship, into this mission, into this calling, because if it was not for your mercy, I'd have no right to be here. Lord, I am going to be in your stead. I'm going to open my mouth in your cause. I'm going to deal with this king according to history and according to facts. And if y'all read from verse 12 to verse 26, he recalls the whole history of how Israel came through the wilderness. Every time God sent them to a route, certain of the nations like Moab and Ammon refused to let them go through refused to give them bread, refused to give them water. And the Lord made it work out anyway. Am I making some sense? 
So notice what Jephthah is not doing. Jephthah is not making this about him. He's making this about the Lord. Can I tell you why? Because Jephthah understands that this battle is really the Lord's battle. It's not even his battle. He's fighting a battle for the Lord. Do you see it? Saints, do you see it? Yes. This is why you got to be careful about being stuck in the horizontal dilemma. I keep telling you. You got to understand where you stand in terms of God's vertical design, his vertical purpose, when he wants you to open your mouth for him. That's what Jephthah is. That's what Jephthah is. And he eloquently sets forth with total accuracy everything that happened. And notice what it says in verse 28. How be it the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah, which he sent out. See it? Now why? Because this is a battle that God wants to fight. There would be no peace between the spirit and the flesh. There would be no unity between the carnal and the man that is operating out of the spiritual kingdom principle. There will always be war against the flesh. Am I making some sense? And God is getting ready to demonstrate his, his magnificent grace in his servant motif. This is a savior motif, and we see it clearly in verse 29. At that time and then, right there, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. That boy started riding. He started riding. Do you see it? Come on, fellas, let's go. That's what the text says. Look at it. And he passed over Gilead. He went all the way through Gilead, the city that called upon him. And he passed through Manasseh. Did he pass through? And then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And he passed from Mizpah of Gilead. And he passed over up unto the children of Ammon. Of, uh, of Ammon. He's ready for war. And you can infer in these passages as he was making his way to meet the enemy in the valley. He was gathering to himself the soldiers that were ready to go to war under Jephthah in the name of the Lord. That's why he passed all the way through. Don't miss that. Don't be shallow in your reading. You can't have a military entourage rolling through the city and people not asking, what is this about? And then Jephthah tell them that we're getting ready to fight the Lord's battle against the Ammonites. Whosoever is on the Lord's side, let him come with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know it don't make sense. See, we're not used to war. That's why there's not absolute celebration going on. See what I'm saying? We're not used to war. We used to somebody else fighting our battles. We're used to our, our men and women in military going way over there fighting our battles. This is why we fought a battle for them around this COVID thing. Because we care about them even when they don't understand what's really going on. And that battle's being won. Like it's being won for the citizens here too. But see, people are not used to going to war because war is a liability. War means that some people get hurt. In war, there are casualties. If you don't understand what it means to make a vow, 
It means you're not ready to sacrifice anything. You don't want to suffer to overcome evil. The Ammonites were already rising up to come after them. What you going to do? Just let them come in. And here Gideon is going to rise. He's passing through your town. It might as well be the preaching of the gospel. It might as well be the work of the apostles coming through your town, letting you know the king is present. The kingdom of God is at hand. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. As we go from city to city, from town to town, from nation to nation, preaching the gospel that men and women might be saved. Letting you know you are in a spiritual war. You are in a battle for your mind, for your heart, for your family, for your children right now. And gradually and quietly, men would rise up and follow Gideon. I mean, follow Jephthah. Can y'all see it? And many would equivocate. What's he talking about? Many would debate. Why is he doing that? They're so far from the Lord that they have no idea what happened way up there in the north. So far from God that they have no idea why this man would come out of the comfort of his own territory to take up a battle for people that don't even respect him. They have no idea how God actually forges in the hearts of men and women a willingness to stand up against evil. Have no idea. Yeah, have no idea. And I say they, I'm talking about our communities because people love carnal peace. But see, peace always comes at the price of some kind of war, some kind of battle. And so here, what we're getting ready to learn I want to call your attention to now. I don't want to be here too long, but I want to drill the point home. Verse point number three takes us back to verse 30 and 31 of chapter 11. Please listen to what it says. After that, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Jephthah. After he passes over Gilead, after he goes through Manasseh, after he passes over Mizpah of Gilead, from Mizpah of Gilead, he passes over and he is now facing the children of Ammon, right? Guess what he does? And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if you shall with all fail, without fail, deliver the children of Ammon into my hands. Oh, teach Jephthah, teach Jephthah, help the people of God understand what to do in your time of trouble. When your enemies can pass you about, when you got a battle to fight that you know you can't win in your own strength, call upon the name of the Lord and try God whether or not he will do what he said he will do. And then let him know up front that you appreciate him imminently for even bringing you to this place where he could use you in this position. And let him know 
that should he do what he said he would do, which he said long time ago, even before Israel came out of Egypt, God told them in the mouth of Moses, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to deliver you through the wilderness. I'm going to put you in the promised land. I'm going to destroy all your foes. I'm going to wipe out all your enemies, said the Lord. All you need to do is obey me. See, this man knew the word of God, didn't he? He knew the promises of God were yes and amen. He knew God was immutable and unchangeable. And he knew that God acknowledges and recognizes when a man or a woman is making a real deal with God. So y'all don't even know what this is about. This really is another study. And it's around the idea of vows. Now, a vow is a promise made to God in the time in which you are in trouble so that if God should deliver you from your troubles, you will praise God with an open mouth and a heart full of joy and the abundance of the resources that he gives you, you give it back to God. You will give God that which God gave you because you know he was the one that gave it to you. Anybody listening to me, right? Making vows unto God only happens with people who are serious about God, who actually believe that God exists, who actually believe that God has all power, who actually believe that God can heal you of your sickness, that God can deliver you from your plight that God can strengthen you in your need of trouble. You got to be able to believe God to make that kind of vow. And this was not an uncommon thing in Israel. So I'm going to walk you through for a few minutes to help you overcome the alienation of what it means to make a vow. The simplest place that we will start is very clearly laid out in the Genesis narrative. This is Genesis chapter 28. Verse 20, Jacob meets God on his flight from Laban. That means he's in a precarious situation and God gives him a vision. Do you guys remember the vision of the ladder descending from heaven down to the earth? Now notice what Jacob says in verse 28. And Jacob did what? He vowed a vow to God. See it? And watch what he says. If God will be with me. Do you see it? And will keep me. And will keep me. And will keep me in this way that I go. And will give me bread to eat. And raiment to put on. Do you see what he's saying? This God that I've seen in his glory sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. If this God will keep me, if he will provide for me, if he will resource me, don't we need God to do all that? Look at it at verse 21. Watch it. Put clothes on my back so that I come again to my what? My father's house. I told you this was about a father-son paradigm. My father's house. And we're all headed to the father's house. If we know the Lord, are we not? We're all on our way to glory. And don't we need God to keep us every day? Provide for us every day. Clothe us every day. 
give us everything we need every day, don't we? Don't we need him to be with us? So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. Do you know what that means? Are you ready? Everywhere I go, people are going to know I'm a child of Jehovah. Elohim is my God. The most high God rules over the kingdoms of men, and I will serve no other God but him. Everybody's going to know the Lord is the one who called me. He's the one who keeps me. He's the one who provides for me. He's the one that watches over me, leads me, and he will surely get me to glory. All right. All right. Now, let's see if God called Jacob on this. Chapter 31, verse 13. Look at it. This is going to be a long portion portion of the study. So just relax. Go use the bathroom or something. Come on back. (laughs) You keeping up with me up there, sis? We're at chapter 31, verse 13. I want to show you how how that God followed Jacob all the way. Watched over Jacob all the way. Did for Jacob exactly what Jacob wanted. Now watch this. And I just want you to catch this, you guys. I'm going to walk you through about 10 verses here. Genesis 31, verse 13. Here it is. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar. Remember, that's what Jacob did. He anointed the pillar in affirmation that he had met God. A revelation of the Lord Jesus. Y'all know that, right? And where you vowed a vow unto me. You see it? Now arise and get thee from this land and return to the land of your kindred. See, God kept him up to this point. He reminded him of the vow he made to God. And now God says, go on home. I'm going to be with you there as I have been with you now. Do you see it? Let me keep drilling this home because this is very important for us to comprehend. Numbers chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to show you the formulation of the context into which vows were made then and how you and I need to make an application to ourselves. This is Numbers 21, verse, verse 1, please. Numbers 21, verse 1. This is where God is speaking. Verse 14, of course, we're going to be dealing with war. And when the king of Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tale that Israel came by the way of the what? Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. A precarious situation, isn't it? We have now suffered a loss, have we not? Notice the next verse. Verse 2. And Israel did what? Vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will what? Utterly destroy their cities. Now, do you see what's going on here? They're saying to God, We need you to give us the victory. If you give us the victory, we will do what you tell us to do. And in this context, because we're so whippish about war, it was absolutely necessary that they should destroy those cities. This verse will continue on with the development of that, but I'll take you to another one because you need to see how this works itself out. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Verses 21 through 23, another one of the sort of uh, war scenario vows that are made as we are in our text. When you vow a vow unto the Lord your God, 
You shall not slack to what? For the Lord your God will surely require it of thee and it would be sin to thee if you don't. Do you see it? Now, this is the reason why a lot of people don't vow. This is why a lot of people don't vow. But I'll tell you, a lot of people vow in the Old Testament. In fact, vowing is a prominent part of worship. Let me see if I can help you. Go with me to Psalm 50, verse 15. Now, you will have heard this one quoted, but you will have failed to understand the context in this quote. How many times have we said this? Notice what it says. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Remember that one? Call upon me in the day of trouble. Who's talking here? The Lord. And I will what? Deliver you and you shall do what? All right. So now how are we going to glorify God in the day of trouble when he delivers us? Look at the previous verse. Notice what verse 14 says. Offer unto God what? You're going to thank him when he delivers you. Do you see it? You're going to thank him when he delivers you. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to pay your vows unto the most high God. Now, again, if you don't get it, when you and I are in trouble, we call upon God. We ask God to deliver us. And frequently when we're in trouble, guess what we do? We promise God something. Do we, saints? We promise God, I'm not going to do that anymore. Lord, I promise I'll stop this. Lord, I promise I'll stop that. Lord, I promise I'll serve you. Lord, I promise I'll give you this. Lord, I promise I'll, I'll prioritize my life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's the problem with the reason you don't know what I'm talking about. Because God has been so good to you and you have taken so much of that for granted that you have have failed to realize the times of trouble in which God delivers you that you should be able to demonstrate that kind of thanksgiving and reciprocity. I would assert that our wealth and our prominence and our ease and all of the comforts we have make us very unthankful to God. Am I making some sense? Right. It makes it very uncomfortable. Let me keep on with this before I let you go because you might not come back next week. So now watch this. I'm at Psalm number 116, and I want to read verse 14. Psalm 116, verse 14. I'm going to bring you to Christ in a minute because I want you to see that Christ made a vow. The only reason you say is because a vow between the Father and the Son. You've heard it before. Start at verse 12, if you will. What shall I render unto to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? You see how he's thinking? Appreciation. Trying to figure out what he's going to do for all the blessings that's given to him by God. See, this is about agape. Remember, agape gives. Agape gives. Agape gives. Agape says, what can I do for the object of my love? What can I do for the person who has been so good to me? When last time you said that about God, Lord, what shall I do to render unto you for all the benefits that you have given unto me? Here it is. Here it is. This is what you shall do. And this is a consistent theme. I will take the cup of salvation. I'll believe the gospel. I'll trust Christ as my savior. 
I'll believe that he died for my sins, past, present, and future, that he will keep me by his grace and lead me to glory, that he will make me born again so that I love and adore his word. I will trust in the Lord and call upon the name of the Lord. Do you see that last line? Are you ready? He's talking about praising God in worship publicly with the people of God as a vow. Somehow, worship publicly in the form of proclamation lets the world know that God is real and that he has done... Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.